Hi everyone, this is David Hoffman, one of the producers of this show. For the next few months, we're going to be rerunning older episodes of the series that we think are still relevant and interesting for members of the ALS community. Today, we continue to celebrate Family Caregivers Month with an episode that originally aired on April 15th, 2021. In it, Sandra Sullivan, the ALS Association's Director of Chapter Communications, talks to Sarah Trott, a former contestant on The Bachelor, about her connection to ALS and her work trying to support and connect young caregivers like herself all around the country. Enjoy. The silver lining, you know, although ALS is so terrible, it's given us the time to be together and to reflect and share all of these happy memories with each other because it, you do have that time frame. You know, although it is kind of vague, um, you kind of know what's coming. And to have that special family time, it really has brought our family a lot closer than we ever would have otherwise. Hello, hello to everyone out there. And thank you for finding us on your favorite podcast service and being with us for another episode of Connecting ALS. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Stevenson, and I'm here with my co-host, Jeremy Holden. And this week, Jeremy, we're simply setting up a conversation and stepping out of the way as our fantastic colleague, Sandra Sullivan, was able to connect with Sarah Trott, who many of you may know from ABC's The Bachelor about her personal connection to ALS. Yeah, Sarah was a 19-year-old college student, Mike, when her father was diagnosed with ALS. She talked to Sandra about her experience as a young caregiver and about the work that she's doing today to help empower and connect other caregivers across the country. Like so many stories of ALS, Sarah's is all at once heartbreaking and inspiring as we hear about how she's using her influence in the fight against ALS. Let's listen to Sandra and Sarah's conversation now. Uh, Hello, everyone. My name is Sandra Sullivan, and I'm so happy to be with you today on Connecting ALS. I'm subbing in for Mike and Jeremy today, but have no fear. They'll be back next week. I'm very pleased to welcome today's guest. She recently brought a great deal of attention to ALS and to the challenges and choices that ALS caregivers face. She's an ALS warrior and advocate, and she was a fan favorite contestant on The Bachelor. Welcome, Sarah Trotz. Hi, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sarah. I wanna start at the beginning of your family's journey with ALS. Can you share with us a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, it, it's been a long journey. It's been a tough journey, but it's brought my family really close together. I was 19 when my dad was diagnosed with ALS. I was uh, a sophomore in college at the University of Missouri and always had a really close relationship with my parents and my family. And uh, it was hard being far away, you know, in the middle of the country, being from San Diego, going so far and being away from my family and Hearing this news made it feel like I was even farther away from them. It was pretty devastating. And when I first heard the words ALS, I really didn't know much about it. You know, I I knew about the ice bucket challenge, but when we first got this diagnosis, the first thing I did was go to Google and Google, what is ALS? And I remember exactly where I was just reading through, scrolling through Google and educating myself. And I think so many people have done that same thing, you know, 
scrambling and freaking out and having that just pit in your stomach, that awful pit in your stomach, realizing that this is a fatal illness, that there is no cure and you feel helpless. And those feelings feel really fresh, even though it was five years ago, it's still really fresh in my mind and my heart. And that's kind of what it was like at the very beginning. Sarah, you said you were in you were in Missouri then, and your family was in in San Diego at the time of your dad's diagnosis. How hard was that to to be across the country in the middle of the country when you found out about the diagnosis? Did you did you fly home? Did you talk on the phone? How did that unfold? Yeah, we talked on the phone, and I, you know, booked a flight out to to San Diego. And we had been noticing some symptoms leading up to this. So we weren't quite sure what it was, you know, my dad having some difficulty articulating his speech, uh, having some difficulty with his knee and walking. And maybe that was just a, a former knee injury resurfacing for him and trying to, you know, paint a picture of what exactly is happening to dad because we weren't sure and we got this diagnosis thinking maybe it would be PLS, which is a lesser form and a longer life expectancy. And then hearing it's ALS was really difficult, a hard pill to swallow. So I remember thinking, should I drop out of school? You know, what's going to happen? The life expectancy is two to five years. What does that mean for my dad? And and what does that journey look look like? And I just remember knowing for certain his life and my family and my life would be dramatically different from that day moving forward. Now, you mentioned that you were just 19 when your dad was diagnosed. You, you spoke to this a little bit, but, you know, typically at 19, that's when young adults are busy with college, contemplating a, a career path, looking forward to experiencing uh, all the other of life's milestones. How is that different? when your parent has a terminal disease like ALS. You talked about that a little bit earlier, but I know that you're not thinking about yourself at the time, but that can't help but enter into what you're thinking about in the future, what what your plans are. Yeah, I think for many 19-year-olds, you know, you're just embarking on this really exciting upcoming decade of your 20s, and you're maybe in college or working or not living at home for the first time. And you get this uh, taste of freedom and all of the opportunities that are just at your fingertips, which is a beautiful thing. And for many people at age 19, this is the last thing you ever think of um, happening to you. You're worried about relationships or jobs or who knows what, but you know, healthy parents for most people, um, It's just how it is. You know, your parents are healthy. Maybe um, you've experienced the loss of a grandparent or a great grandparent, but not a direct, uh, you know, close family member like a mom or a dad. So I remember finding it pretty difficult to lean on my peers because not a lot of people had been through what I had been through or experienced what I was going through. And it felt really lonely and confusing and really, really sad. And of course, you know, friends try to comfort you, but you know, they haven't been through that position maybe. And that's why I think it's so valuable to connect with other people who 
have gone through what you're going through. And I remember not searching for or utilizing resources just because I, maybe I wasn't proactive enough, but I didn't even know what resources were out there. And it felt really isolating that this was just me and my dad and my family going through this and nobody else understands what we're going through. But really in the past five years, I've educated myself and my family has gotten to know our local ALS chapter and now the national ALS organization. And this goes for not just ALS, but lots of other diseases and illnesses that there are resources out there and it doesn't have to be, you know, an isolating experience. Oftentimes it may feel that way, but there are people who, who want to help and there are resources accessible, which I didn't know about at the beginning of this journey. And now looking back, I'm hoping to share some of those with people who are at the starting point of this journey. Well, you started a Facebook group for young caregivers, as a matter of fact. What are you seeing as a result of that? It's been beautiful to see these connections. And I guess what what prompted this uh, after my appearance on The Bachelor and getting really vulnerable and opening up about my family and our experience with ALS and being able to share my dad's story and his resilience and positivity on a national platform like this show was such an honor and a blessing and terrifying all at the same time. And I wasn't sure how it would be received because it's not a pretty thing to talk about. And I, I don't want to look like I'm just looking for pity or whatever that may be, you know, this is my story and this is my family's story. And I was shocked to see the outpouring of support and literally hundreds and thousands of messages flooding my Instagram inbox, my email, my Facebook, other young women going through similar situations with ALS or cancer or other terminal illnesses and just feeling this avalanche of support. And in the beginning, I tried to respond, you know, reply back to all of these messages and quickly realized it just wasn't possible. There's too many And as sad as it is that so many people are going through something similar, there's something empowering in that. And I asked my audience on Instagram, you know, what can I do and how can I serve you guys? And I'm learning as I'm going. But the first thing that I thought to do was to create a group where these people aren't just reaching out to me, but they can reach out with each other. And since January, uh, when I started it, we now have almost 800 Uh, mostly young women in this group. Wow. Wow. That's impressive. That's fantastic. And what we're finding is, uh, you know, countless connections, young women, it's almost on autopilot. You know, these people put them together and it's a powerful force, you know, a really difficult thing that has happened to these young women, but they're relying on each other and learning from each other and sharing resources or, what's the best wheelchair cushion or what do you recommend for a Hoyer lift and finding that these people are in their same cities or in their um, same States. And I think it's really beautiful to see that connection unfold. And unfortunately with COVID, we can't meet up in person as easily, but the next step is, you know, a virtual retreat or hopefully in-person retreats to really connect and unite these women together. How important is it to have that encouragement and support from your contemporaries and peers 
who are in similar situations? It makes all the difference because, you know, there's only a certain point where you can get comfort from your friends or your family, but to know that somebody else is going through something similar, it can be really comforting. And to seek help, especially with therapy or other people that have been in your situation, it makes all the difference. And I didn't do enough of that in the beginning, in the first couple of years. Um, my mom didn't do enough of that. Uh, my sister, we didn't seek help or ask for help or connect with others. And I can't go back and rewrite history, but I can take my experiences and, and share that with others in hopes that they learn from the good and the bad of what we went through. And hopefully it makes a positive impact on their journeys. Well, your story has uh, really started a conversation about the need for more support for young adult caregivers. You're working with us association, you're working with your local chapter in San Diego to expand resources and programs for young adult caregivers. How, how does that feel? It's exciting and surprising and it just, it feels like a calling. It really does. You know, it, it has happened so organically and I never imagined five years ago that I would become a spokeswoman for ALS, or I would be able to put a family and a face to ALS. But I'm realizing just how powerful that is. And I feel honored to be in this position. And I really do see young women looking up to me, which feels incredible and a little stressful at times. And I feel the, the pressure of it. But I try to be as transparent and vulnerable as possible. And admittedly, I'm not perfect and my family's not perfect by any means. We've had to go through so many growing pains, understanding ALS and finding the best ways to, to battle this disease. Um, but yeah, it's empowering. And it's, I feel the strength of this community and I'm realizing the ALS community is incredibly resilient and, and wants to find a cure and we will find a cure. Yeah. I think your authenticity comes through in what you do. And I think that really resonates with other people in your age group, other young adult caregivers, uh, caregivers really of any age. So how does your family feel about what you've done and how much attention and awareness you've brought to the disease? They are, so grateful and just so happy that they can, you know, hopefully be a light and inspire other families as well. My dad is an incredibly positive, optimistic, resilient person. He is so determined and, you know, he, he won't let this break his spirit and ALS can slowly break down his body, but people every day, strangers and friends and family and doctors are so impressed with my dad's resilience and how he continues to be positive and optimistic despite this horrible, horrible thing that has happened to him. And so I think they just feel grateful that they can share, you know, our family story with the rest of the world in hopes that it inspires someone or encourages someone to stay strong and to fight this because I'm sure for many people, you just want to give up that ALS is too big that we can't fight this and there's no hope and and that's not the case you know there is hope and there are resources and we will find a cure one day 
it's just a matter of uniting everybody and getting that message across. That's great. Sarah, uh, May is ALS Awareness Month. Are there any recommendations that you have or suggestions for the community as to how to help create awareness in May? I think first and foremost, just talking about ALS. Sometimes people feel uncomfortable talking about ALS or their experiences with it, but really sharing what is ALS and how it's either impacted you or your family is just a starting point. And I think also personally on my platform, I want to spread awareness as much as possible and also offer connection and support um, with my community. And I want to create virtual retreats and virtual workshops. So with COVID right now, we can't meet in person, especially caregivers who are looking after somebody with a compromised immune system. But I'm hoping to create virtual workshops with meditations and bring together a lot of people that are going through ALS and sharing resources and also sharing that beyond the ALS community. People who may have heard of the Ice Bucket Challenge a few years ago, but are reminded again in May, what is ALS and how you can support somebody in your community and whether that takes shape as a financial donation or, you know, just realizing that maybe a neighbor is dealing with ALS and their family is going through this. And maybe that looks like making a meal for somebody or offering companionship to somebody who is a caregiver. You know, it doesn't just have to be financial help, but there's lots of ways to support ALS and, and to, show, to show support for ALS. So just talking about it first and foremost is the most important thing. Let's talk a little bit too about the ideas and the, that you're thinking about to help young adult caregivers. What, what does that look like when you bring people from across the country together who are in the same situation that you're in right now? What are you envisioning? I'm envisioning virtual workshops where we can connect remotely uh, with COVID right now. It's pretty difficult to meet up in person. Ultimately, one day I would love to have a retreat, a weekend retreat where caregivers can take some time for themselves to do meditations and workshops and seminars and hear from inspirational speakers and connect and unite with other people going through similar circumstances. I think it's a unique demographic, the age group of your early 20s, mid 20s, going through something as serious as ALS and to find resources that are really tailored to this unique group of young men and women is really special. So right now that looks like virtual workshops and meditations and sharing resources over over the internet and Zoom calls, but hopefully one day in person so these people can share hugs and comfort in person. I think that is really meaningful. Um. I have to confess that years ago, at the same age that, that you were when you found out about your dad's diagnosis, um, I became a caregiver for a parent with terminal illness. And this is how old I am, but um, back then there was no social media, so there was no way to connect. There, there weren't Facebook groups. How important has social media been in providing a place for people to talk to one another and share these experiences. Social media is such a powerful tool. It has become integrated into our lives and 
for people who can't meet in person but are feeling isolated or lonely, it's a great way to connect with other people and also to get resources for help, such as meeting like with a therapist or somebody um, to have a, a Zoom workshop or a seminar. There are all these resources available and, and out there, but it's just a matter of finding them and being aware of them. And sometimes it's hard to seek them out on your own. I know I didn't do that when I first heard about my dad's diagnosis, but if we can raise more awareness and have really tailored workshops that are meaningful and educational, I think that's really important. And social media can be a dark place sometimes. You know, it's, it's difficult. You see seemingly perfect lives on Instagram or social media. But if we can create this movement where we're talking about the realities we're facing and connecting and uniting with other young women that are also caregivers or dealing with these stress stresses and finding the best best ways and practices to get around them and to fight ALS, I think that is really powerful and encouraging. So social media is game changing and I, I couldn't imagine how difficult it would be. And I'm sorry about your experience going through that, but I'm sure now in your role with ALS, you're able to take a lot of the lessons you learned as a caregiver and, and pass those along to others, which is incredible. So what is next for you, Sarah? What, what, are, you, what are your plans for this year? Yeah, I think learning to roll with the punches and go with the flow. COVID taught us that. This diagnosis of ALS taught me that. So as much as we can plan, sometimes it's not always possible. But really uh, using my voice and my platform to amplify ALS research, especially in May for ALS Awareness Month, and navigating these uncertain times with COVID, but using the resources I have and my platform to connect people, I think that would be great virtually. And then hopefully to, to have these in-person um, retreats. But from a, a personal standpoint, just spending time with family and really living in the moment and, and not thinking so much about, you know, what's going to happen six months from now, 12 months from now, because a lot of it is out of your control. But what you can control is the time that you can give to your loved ones and making an effort to balance that, to spend time with family, but also to spend time on myself and to make sure I'm sleeping and eating and having healthy habits, um, seeking therapy and, and really relying on this caregiver community. That's how I see my next, next year shaping up for sure. And, and finally, Sarah, how is your family doing? How's your dad doing? He's doing okay. You know, it's a very challenging situation for him. Fortunately, we have great friends and family supporting us and popping in. We are doing socially distant visits now. So my dad, even with ALS, he still loves to see his friends. So he'll do Zoom calls. He'll do backyard meetups, you know, six feet away. Um, and he's doing okay. He's staying positive, but ALS is a really difficult disease, and I, I see just in the past months how his condition has declined a little bit, and I've been spending a lot of time in San Diego because that's, that's the best thing I can do is just spend time with him, and we will watch old family videos and share stories, and the silver lining, you know, although ALS is so terrible, it's given us the time to be together and to reflect and share all of these 
happy memories with each other because it you do have that time frame you know although it is kind of vague um, you kind of know what's coming and to have that special family time it really has brought our family a lot closer than we ever would have otherwise so we're grateful for that Sarah is there anything that I've left out is there anything that you'd like to leave our listeners with or I just want to say thank you to everybody that has expressed you know support and comfort to our family because it means the world to us. It, we're so grateful. And I, I love sharing words of encouragement, you know, messages I get on Instagram or Facebook with my dad. And it, it brings him so much happiness and joy to, to see those messages. And I think we need more of that. Sometimes social media can be a really dark place and a place where we feel like we can't express the realities going on in our lives. And I try to be as transparent as possible with what's really happening behind the scenes. You know, it's not all perfectly curated photos. It's sometimes sad and, and hard, but to be real with each other about what's going on, finding comfort in that and sharing encouragement is really powerful. And I just want to say thank you to everyone because it, it means a lot. Sarah Trot, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and talking to us. Really appreciate you taking the time out to do so. It was an honor. Thank you so much for having me. That's such a powerful and inspiring story, Mike. You know, Sandra's right. Sarah is a fierce warrior in the fight against ALS. Uh, we look forward to her continued work to empower caregivers, and we will share some caregiver resources in the show notes. That will conclude this week's episode. Be sure to give us a follow on Facebook and Twitter for all the latest content and subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast service to make sure weekly episodes hit your inbox. This episode is produced by Garrett Tiedemann of the ALS Association's Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota chapter. Thank you all for listening. We'll connect with you again soon.